Good afternoon and good evening, football fan listener. My name is Toomey and I am your host of Feckin' Football, the podcast about Feckin' Football, which I think is supposed to mean football from an Irish perspective. And you can already hear that my voice is a bit stilted this week because I'm deliberately not trying. I'm deliberately trying not to say "eh" while I'm thinking of next sentence to to talk. And you can already hear that it's making me sound very awkward. Well, I can't be perfect, so "eh," I'm going to be saying "eh" some things, etc. Okay. Right, so Feckin' Football, episode four. Thank you for joining me. This is my solo pursuit, a kind of an offshoot of the Feckin' Check-In podcast, my main podcast with my good friend Trainer. Uh, I was lucky enough last week to have another good friend of mine, Mr. Ross Samber, the King of Ping, onto the Feckin' Football show. We uh, analysed Wales against Ireland. And uh, we were talking a little bit about Stephen Kenny's reign and reign, or e, i g n, in general. During a, <laughs> his Irish stint, I don't know why I'm laughing at my my spelling of that word. I just I I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but this is the type of podcast where I just say whatever comes into my head. Uh, there's there's minimal preparation. Uh, I make some points. I think about some points. I jot them down, but I don't actually plan too much about the structure. And sometimes I'm looking at notes and talking at the same time. And on those occasions, that's when I will say a lot of the airs. Anyway, back to last week's episode. It was a great success in terms of downloads. Ross was a brilliant guest, I have to say. He could talk about football for hours. We had a great chat. Uh, We had a nice balanced breakdown of Wales against Ireland. Since then, Ireland went on to play Bulgaria. Ireland, again, not really creating much uh, chances in that match. And since then, even the, the news has even shifted away from that, because I guess the thing to note about all these matches with Stephen Kenny's New Ireland is that we have a big break now. I think the next international break, or the next international uh, group of games is going to be in March of next year, I think. It's, it's definitely a few months away anyway. So in a way, a lot of these games aren't going to be remembered. I think Stephen Kenny is really going to be judged on his World Cup qualification run if he indeed makes it to that because as you know as a listener he's gotten himself into a bit of bother this week with showing the players a video to motivate them to go out and play against England and from what I've heard about it it most of the video uh, was Ireland goals against England from the past for example Ray Houghton in 1988 uh, that's probably the main one that I know <laughs> Anyway, let's see if Stephen Kenny keeps his job. He's not going to be sacked for that. Um, he was probably a bit naive to think that he could show an anti-English, even if it was only anti-English for like 10% of the video. He was probably underestimating how likely it is for somebody in today's world to leak that information. And everything is a scandal these days. I mean, and what is anti-English, I suppose, as well? Would, would he have been like doc, like showing what the history was of of England basically colonizing Ireland and ruling Ireland for hundreds of years etc and like would it be a, a statement of fact or would it be kind of rhetoric uh, I don't know so I guess we'll never see the content of the video but it seems like it's already blown over it's a, it's it's a move I mean news moves so fast in football um that 
you know what? We've moved on to other things. And what we've moved on to this week is the Premier League. We're back after this big, long international break. It feels like a while since we've we've gotten kind of back to to the Premier League. Um, so it's kind of refreshing in a way to be back to it. So this week I'm going to talk about the Premier League. I'm not going to focus on one match. I'm just going to... I've jotted down some points during the over the weekend as I was kind of keeping tabs of most of the matches. I'm just going to share those points with you rather than kind of break it down with a, a tactical analysis. Like I think the best people, if you want a tactical analysis of a match, is someone like Michael Cox. Um, he used to have a website called Zonal Marking. He has some great books about tactics. Uh, one of them, I think, is called uh, Zonal Marking as well. Uh, he's now on the at- the Athletic website, uh, which is has a good selection of, of football writers. I'd recommend going on that if you want to get a kind of good quality articles about the Premier League and about tactics and, and things like that. Before I get into talking about the Premier League, I want to talk firstly about something that was said in a basketball podcast, the Bill Simmons Basketball Podcast. He was talking about the NBA, the basketball in America. At the moment, there's just kind of the, their version of the transfer window in America with the, the draft season is underway. So players are being drafted and going to to different teams in the NBA and then so players from college get drafted to different teams and they it's kind of you it's all in in an order so you might get number one in the draft if you were like say the Golden State Warriors and that means you get the number one choice of college player and then the Chicago Bulls might be number two and then they get the the second choice but you can also trade those picks those those draft picks that the players coming in from college and it leads to a lot of transfer activity so there's there's players moving around teams all over the place in the NBA at the moment and on the Bill Simmons podcast he was talking about how there's been so much movement of players across teams and he gave the example of LeBron James who started in Cleveland spent a few years there then he went to Miami spent a few years there then he went back to Cleveland spent a couple of years there and then he went off to LA where he is now and there's lots of players like that who have three or four different teams across their their career it's kind of like the people are like players are spending two or three years in one team before jumping ship and he was saying that it's now it got to the stage where the younger people younger people following nba are following players rather than teams because there isn't as much consistency in the teams they're just following the players going from one city to a neck to the next and he likened it to like being a fan of a, a basketball computer game where you're, you you don't really have a loyalty to a team. You just pick the best players and try and try and, and, and win. Um, and I, I just it struck a nerve on me because I was wondering, is that the, is that going to be the case in the Premier League and, and other big leagues around the world where all these players are moving around? They're like if you look at Man United now compared to, say, five or six years ago, there'd be a vastly different team. The same would be the case even at Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City has had maybe a bit more consistency. Liverpool has a good consistency, but in two or three years it could all be different again. Especially maybe Klopp will leave one day. Um, but I guess when I grew up, there was you you would see the same core of a team for seven or eight years, and you could get kind of be a fan of the identity of a team. And I just feel like that that's been lost a lot watching the Premier League at the moment. And, the kind of the connection that you have for a team has been lost and then when you add in all the money coming from 
uh, foreign owners. I, what I mean by that is non-local owners of the teams, not, as, as opposed to foreign owners. I mean, people from the Middle East owning Manchester City, people from America owning Liverpool and Man United. You lo- lose that localised identity. And I, I know football fans are well aware of that, but I'm just becoming more and more aware of it myself. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a, a, a topic that struck a nerve and one to keep an eye on. Like with all these players moving around. And the other thing is it's becoming more about managers moving around. Managers imposing their styles on teams. Like Tottenham Hotspur. It's about Jose Mourinho in a way for the outsider. I know Spurs fans, it's more about Tottenham and building their club. But for the outside observer, it's more about how is how is Mourinho imposing his style on Tottenham. Arsenal had an identity with Wenger and, and their kind of way of playing football they had for years. But now it's about Mar- Mikel Arteta him imposing his style of play. Man City is arguably about Guardiola. Liverpool are arguably about Klopp. It's not so much about the team and the history. It's it's all about either players or managers. So I wonder will people just start following players and managers like they do in sports like the NBA. So Jesus, I've been speaking for 10 minutes already. I haven't even got into the analysis of the action. And then I take a little break there and we'll go into talking about the football action over the weekend. So I'm recording this on Sunday evening at 9.05 and I've just been keeping tabs of the score between Liverpool and Leicester. That was the kind of the last match that was uh, on on this action-packed weekend. I'm just looking at the app on my phone at the moment. I see Johnny Evans got an own goal. Diego Jota has got a goal. And Roberto Firmino has got a goal. His first goal in a long time. And Liverpool have won 3-0. And that's it. They've beaten Leicester 3-0. That's my analysis of that game. Great. So, I was watching a good bit of football over the weekend. The first clip of football I saw over the weekend was actually uh, Monaco versus PSG. And I was watching Cesc Fabregas score the winning penalty in that match to put Monaco Monaco 3-2 up in that match and he scored a good penalty and I thought that was interesting to see Fabregas play such a key role for Monaco he's always been a player I've liked and I feel like he didn't quite hit hit the heights that he could have done but I've always enjoyed watching him play so that, that was just something I noticed. Moving to the Premier League I didn't watch Chelsea's 2-0 win over Newcastle but I did see the goal from Abraham to put them 2-0 up. What really impressed me about this goal was Werner, Timo Werner, the German international who moved to Chelsea in the summer, takes the ball just inside his own half or just around the halfway line, easily beats uh, two or three Newcastle players, slaloms in beside, in between them and then sets up Abraham for a, for a nice, easy finish for a Premier League striker. I think Werner... Seems to have the potential and the speed. Jesus, speed was amazing in that run. When when Chelsea have those players firing, they might just they might just have enough to be strong title contenders, and there might be enough chaos in that team that you can just rely rely on the the skills of the individual players. There m- might be enough talent in that team to negate the lack of a systematic approach that there appears to be from Lampard. And maybe in this overly systematic world of football that we're living in at the moment, maybe that's a good thing. The second match I was watching 
while I was doing other things was I, I have two screens at home, so sometimes I'm I'm doing one thing on on one computer. I was watching something with my wife Liz on one screen, and I was watching this this match on the other screen, and that was Villa and Brighton, and this was at three o'clock on a Saturday, I believe. And I think that's a really nice prime slot for a football match. I really like watching matches at that time. Like when you're watching a match on a Sunday at four o'clock, you feel like, oh, this is the last bit of enjoyment before I go back to work on the Monday. So there's something really nice and relaxing about watching a match on a Saturday. So this was Villa versus Brighton and Brighton uh, won 2-1 actually. Unfortunately for Villa, they rely on individual players. They have that kind of swashbuckling style. <laughs> I think I think you have to say that when you're describing uh, Jack Grealish but it's Jack Grealish Ross Barkley and the guy up front who I can't remember his name the guy they signed from Brentford the three of them up front they're just having a great time but because the system is based around their individual talents if one of them gets injured then they're kind of in trouble and that's what happened in this game Ross Barkley got injured after five minutes and Villa despite their dominance and possession they, they found it difficult to create chances throughout the match and Brighton had a great system uh, they broke very well they had some very pacey players they had a right back who was really good I can't remember his name now and I'm sorry I'm not going to look him up but you know if you if you know who he is you know who I mean and they looked quite comfortable in their system and it was a I thought it was a it was a nice 2-1 victory for Brighton VAR again at the end playing a, a dominant role as it did in lots of matches over the weekend for me uh, this wasn't a penalty it was in the very last minute of the match on the, the on-field decision was a penalty for Villa to equal equalise and uh, make it a draw well there's no need to say equalise and make it a draw it means the same thing but I felt like the Brighton player actually got the ball uh, it, it showed that on the replay and he followed through a split second later and arguably tripped the Aston Villa player. This reminds me of when I was in Southampton and I was playing football, five-a-side football. I was playing against this quite a good player and I had the ball and I was trying to get release the ball early so he couldn't close me down. So I had the ball and I had the, the pass picked out in my mind. I put my foot back to make the pass. I made the pass. So I'd, I'd kicked the ball to my teammate the ball has gone but my leg was still in motion and because he was very quick and fast in closing me down my leg actually carried through and slightly caught him and he claimed that that was a foul but I claimed no it wasn't and we got into this uh, heated argument and he ended up criticizing my technique and I said it's nothing about my technique because at one stage he said if you had a better technique that wouldn't have happened and I said it's not about my technique, it's about you getting in the way of, of the action I had. It, I was kicking the ball to a teammate and my technique has nothing to do with it. It wasn't a free kick. And uh, then we had a couple of other skirmishes <laughs> during the match. But everything was okay. But anyway, my point is that if I pass the ball and somebody then comes into the line, my, my leg is already moving and then somebody stands where my leg is going to go, then I don't think that should be a free for that person. I think it's the same with these couple of penalties over the weekend. If you make contact with the ball in a split second, you make slight contact with somebody else in the same motion as there is of you hitting the ball, then I don't think that's a free kick. That's my understanding of it. 
uh, and I think VAR was correct in this uh, situation. The next match I watched was Tottenham Hotspurs, Spurs, Josie Mourinho's Spurs, who beat Manchester City 2-0. And this was in uh, White Hart Lane or whatever the new stadium is called. Probably uh, Middle East Hot Lane or something. So this was 2-0 to, to Spurs. Um, and I have to say Tottenham Hotspurs, Spurs, Tottenham, whatever you call them, Hotspurs. Hotspurs were really impressive in this match. They... Their system was was excellent. Their counter-attacking, the way they, as Jose Mourinho once said in one of the videos on the Amazon Prime documentary, when he was talking to his team, he said, don't invite the press. So I, so he was kind of making the point that if some if another team is pressing you, if you play the ball more vertically through the lines, you're not you're not inviting the press. Whereas if you play the ball backwards, which you're, you're along the line towards beside your own goal in the defense you're inviting the press so i think spurs have gotten they've got really powerful players who can hold up the ball and play more vertical short passes and they've got a great system where harry kane is dropping deep into the number 10 role which is actually really innovative management from jose Mourinho to establish this role from for harry kane so he's dropping deep holding the ball up which he's really really good at actually and then son has all the pace to get to then run on the overlap and then Kane plays the through ball to Son through the through the lines. Son or Son, I don't know. But Harry Kane, nine assists. Nine assists this season in nine matches. It's it's incredible. And then Spurs, 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 Spurs. I never feel comfortable saying their name for some reason. Tottenham are really looking good this year. Like when you think of the big teams they've beaten this year. And then Man City has been added to that list. And you, you look at like how, how much in control they are in the matches and how strong they are physically and how fit they are. And Jose Mourinho looks very satisfied. And it just makes me think maybe that second place finish he had with Man United when he was the manager there a few years ago was quite underrated. He had quite a limited pool of players, but he got them to the runners-up spot. And now he's a better set of players than were there that Man United team a few years ago. And um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do with them. I think he's going to be, if he continues on like this, he'll be top two, top three. But of course, there's always the question of do when will players get sick of Jose Mourinho? Because every club he's at, apart from Inter Milan, which was only a short spell, he's his players seemingly have gotten sick of him. Chelsea the first time, Real Madrid, not Porto, not, not Inter Milan because he was only there in those two places for a limited amount of time and he was quite young but Chelsea twice Real Madrid and Man United they all got a bit sick of him and everybody gets a bit sick of him so it's only so it's kind of like with Jose Mourinho can you succeed before people get sick of him that's the the question then I watched Man United against West Brom a largely forgettable match Man United I suppose on top for for most of the match I was kind of flicking in and out of this match It it was kind of a dull kind of match 1-0 1-0 to Man United, another penalty, Bruno Fernandes, retake of a penalty, something to do with VAR, there was a few VAR incidents in this match, it, it wasn't great and, and VAR, VAR uh, I, uh, there was a similar incident in this match as there was in the Brighton match, I actually don't want to go back into it, I, I guess like the thing about VAR is video assistant refereeing is that you get you get sick of talking about it because it's a it's a big moment in every match. And it really does expose the flaws of football and how subjective a lot of the rules are, like with handballs and 
intentional fouls, unintentional fouls, uh, diving, all of it. Like it just the kind of this. Yeah, as I said, the subjectivity in in the in the rules and once that's exposed because with VAR you can see absolutely everything and you have to make try and make a call on it but because there's so many of these minor infringements that were previously not seen they're all being seen now and there has to be a call on all of them because everything has been seen so the rules in football in my opinion need to be changed then something needs to be done to make everything clearer to account for every single small instance where a decision has to be made, there has to be a rule because in the past there there wasn't criteria that were adequate to help referees decide. It was all down to common sense, and that of course leads to incorrect decisions and injustice. So while VAR is over pernickety and it's too much about VAR and and it's some people say ruining the game, the previous situation was football was just characterized by injustice and incorrect decisions. So I I really don't know which is which is better. I think the previous way, you would be a, a lot more emotional. It was a lot more in the moment emotion, joy, ecstasy, anger, fury, <laughs> rage, excitement, because everything that happened on the field in the moment, that was it. You weren't waiting for the replay with VAR. So now like football has lost that, that kind of the edge of the emotions. And I think that's the underlying thing that people are missing. But still, I don't like injustice. I don't like there be to, in, to be injustice. That was my big thing about football in the old way before VAR, was that there'd be so, many, so much injustice in every game that I was, for, for a period of time, I'd be watching every match and getting pissed off, frustrated and angry. And then, I think the final match I want to reference on today's feckin' football, I hope you've stayed with me, is Leeds against Arsenal. Nil-nil. There's only a couple of things I want to say about this. Leeds, the players, seem to be all wearing vests underneath their shirts. These were borderline wife beaters. So you could see the out... They were wearing... Leeds have wife have white shirts. So you could see the outline of what they wear underneath. And they all seem to be wearing these white vests. And I thought that looks pretty uncool. So I thought that was interesting. The other thing about Leeds that I didn't really focus on before is how bad some of the haircuts are. A lot of mullets, a lot of shaved around the sides and kind of longer hair on top. And a lot of players around the same size or at six foot one, kind of well built. And I wondered, did, did a memo go around Leeds um, to, to say that you have to have a haircut, you have to have a mullet, uh, what I would call a modern mullet. But Leeds were very good in this match. They should have won. They absolutely... I suppose dominated the match from start to finish. They had energy, they had enthusiasm and if there was going to be a winner it looked like it was going to be Leeds. Arsenal, I concluded from this match that Arsenal are shit. <laughs> I mean there's no there's no big analysis here, it's just that Arsenal are shit. They uh, haven't scored a goal for around six or seven matches, I think, in outfield play. Something like that. As I was saying at the start of the show, maybe this is a good way to to end it. This is an example of when a team that had a previous identity of of free-flowing football, extravagance, improvisation, maybe overpassing it, maybe a soft underbelly, more focused on attacking football than defensive football to their cost, 
but always entertaining. Arsenal were always entertaining and they always had Arsene Wenger narrative there as well. But now with Mikel Arteta, it's more about Mikel Arteta FC. He's out there, there's no crowds at the matches. He's out there telling the players exactly where to pass the ball. He has the players stationed in particular ways, in, in particular positions in the matches. Um, There are set plays for from bringing the ball out from from back to front there are set attacking plays everything is methodical there's no innovation there's no creativity and while defensively they're pressing and all that is is excellent they've been micromanaged within an inch of their lives lives by Mikel Arteta at the moment it seems like anyway to me as just a feckin football analysis They've lost their identity as players and they are now Mikel Arteta FC. So be careful out there, football fans. Don't let your team be lost to a manager and their identity because eventually that manager will be gone. They'll be gone. They'll be gone, boys. One final point. Sorry, I know that was the final point, but one final point. I did notice if you want to beat the press, dribble past them dribble past them because they're they're charging at you they want you to pass the ball back towards your goalkeeper back across your defensive line no cut inside dribble at the fuckers dribble through the press go forward they won't know what to do and then play the play the true pass because they're they'll all be so high up the field so all you have to do is dribble it from the defense into the midfield and find that true pass i think we're going to be seeing in the future really good dribblers in defense and the fullback positions because if you can beat that press through dribbling and it's not that you can't plan for that they can't they can't stop you once you get past that first defender you can dribble there is space there they can't press you in the same way as if they can predict where you're passing the ball sideways and backwards who am i talking to <laughs> i guess i'm talking to myself but i'm also talking to you the feckin football listener and if you've made it all this way, I listened to the whole episode. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you listening. Although that's a bit weird because I'm not really talking to anyone in particular. But that's what people say. And that's kind of what I feel like. If you are listening to this, then thank you. I'm going to hopefully have Ross Sambrad, the King of Ping, on in the next few weeks to review the League of Ireland season. And maybe talk about Ireland in the football a bit more. And, of course, what's interesting about football is that anything discussed on this particular podcast episode will be out of date in a couple of days there'll be some weird stuff going on with the champions league in midweek man united are under pressure to win other teams like barcelona are under pressure to win there's lots of stuff there'll be some scandal in the weekend there'll be some leaked video or something like that or the news constantly updates in football so listen to this on a monday or tuesday listener which doesn't make sense because if you're listening to this, you've already listened to the whole thing. But you know what I mean. Th- thank you for listening. Take care. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night.